0: Hey everybody, thanks for joining us again for the Single Tracks Podcast. Today I've got Greg and Aaron here with me again to talk about some of the stories from the last week. Welcome guys. Hey everybody. How's it going y'all? So Greg, I wanted to jump right into your review of the Santa Cruz Bronson. You tested the updated version at Outerbike a couple weeks ago and then last week shared your review. And it wasn't necessarily the most positive review, so I wanted to give you a chance to talk about some of the feedback you've received from other riders and also um what you've heard from santa cruz
1: yeah i uh you know was pretty underwhelmed with the latest santa cruz bronson uh, i got about a 10 mile ride on it which is actually one of the longer rides i did at outer bike and as you can read in my review didn't have that great of an experience but i had a lot of feedback from readers and folks i know uh santa cruz as well which was all very interesting some people have ridden the new Bronson as well uh, and had the exact opposite experience and they totally loved the bike and thought the update was fantastic. However, I talked with plenty of other people who've also ridden the Bronson, uh, the latest version, and experienced why I experienced and didn't like it at all. I think it's going to end up being a very polarizing bike, you know, even based on the feedback that we've heard. I think the subset of the crowd that you know, will enjoy the bike will probably really enjoy it. And as you can tell from my review, the ones that doesn't work for, probably won't work for very well at all. You know, there's a number of factors that could play into it. You know, there could be bike setup issues, could be an issue of the bike versus the height of the rider, and different things like that. So Santa Cruz did get in touch with me, and uh, we've been going back and forth. And we're currently working closely with Santa Cruz to get some more time on the Bronson soon to do some even more in-depth testing. So Stay tuned for the results of that. Also hoping to get on the new Santa Cruz 5010 and see what the update on that bike is like
2: as well.
0: Another part of this that I wanted to talk about was just the response to the fact that this seemed like a really honest review to a lot of people. Did that surprise you?
1: Uh, you know, honestly, I was a little bit surprised at the response. Um Generally, the response that we see from our audience was extremely positive. Many readers applauded us for the honesty that we exhibited in the review. And, you know, I definitely appreciate that. You know, over the years, I found that the only way to sort of keep doing what I'm doing and keep writing year in and year out is to just call things as I see it. And sometimes things don't look very good, as it did with the Bronson. I think the one thing that surprised me. Was that there seems to be this implication that the only honest reviews that are written are the negative ones that are totally bashing the product, which I just don't think is accurate. You know, I've ridden dozens upon dozens of mountain bikes and have enjoyed a lot of them, and I've written a lot of positive reviews over the years. You know, that's not to say that those positive reviews aren't honest either. So ultimately, we want to assure readers that we'll continue being. Honest and transparent as we, you know, move forward. That's always been our goal, but just want to continue to reiterate that our first priority is always to you, the readers, and and honestly to ourselves, you know. Yeah. To have self-respect in what we do.
0: Yeah, I mean that's that's really interesting. You point out that people only notice the honesty when it's a negative review, but we're being honest all the time, even when it's a positive review.
2: Yeah. Just to add to what Greg said, it's. There, there just aren't that many bad bikes out there right now honestly i mean i rode eight bikes out, out in vegas during an outdoor demo and while i definitely had my favorites there's not one of them that i i wouldn't be happy to have in my in my stable so i it's just it's a really good time to be a mountain biker definitely
0: another big article that we had this week was aaron's article about selling mountain bikes online and Aaron's actually sold a number of mountain bikes, which makes him a real expert on the subject. So I wanted him to share some stories about some things that he sold online and, and maybe talk about some of the horror stories that he's experienced.
2: Well, yeah, I guess, first of all, we've got kind of a notoriously awful post office here in in Georgia. I don't know if it's just the Atlanta area that we're in or, or the whole state or maybe the whole system, but, you know, for instance, the last thing I sold on on eBay just disappeared you know of course I had tracking information on it and it said it was delayed and then it said it left the Atlanta facility and then it said it was in transit and it just never materialized so I ended up having to refund the buyer their money on uh, on that end of things which was unfortunate because then I was out the money and out the item as well so another thing that I mentioned in my in my article was to, to be really honest about the condition of whatever you're selling, if it's an entire bike or if you're selling a handlebar or whatever, just be really honest about the condition because eBay in particular, they, they do give the buyer a lot of protections. And I, I found this out the hard way myself. I sold a crank set on, on eBay and I guess you know, I took a lot of pictures of it, but I didn't do a good enough job documenting it. And there was a little bit of corrosion on the very end of the spindle. I mean, it was a very old crank set and I didn't sell it for like $50 or something, but there was some minor corrosion on the spindle. And then the buyer opened a claim with eBay saying that the, uh, the item had been damaged in shipping, which, you know, wasn't actually the case, but obviously it was corrosion. It wasn't anything that UPS did or anything. eBay of course sided with the buyer. They took the money back out of my PayPal account from the buyer and then eBay told me it was up to me to work with the buyer to get the item back. So of course I emailed the buyer and they uh, were unresponsive to say the least. So now they got their money back and they get to keep the crank set and there's really no recourse for me. So. You know, just goes to show you be, be really thorough and and just know that if something does happen, especially, again, with eBay, that they're going to side with the buyer and not you, the seller.
0: I wanted to talk about a comment that we got on the article. One person said that the best way to get cash for your bike or to, to optimize the value of your bike is to sell it piece by
2: piece. Is that something that you found yourself? It can be, but... Uh, you know, it's it's really a pain in the ass to sell a bike piece by piece. When you can offload a, an entire bike in one go, ship it to one person, I'll take the what couple hundred dollar penalty maybe on that just for just for the the sake of not having to list multiple items and ship to multiple people. And then also, if if you're going through eBay um, and you have you know an auction format, there's really no guarantee how much you're going to get for your parts if you sell it piece by piece if you're trying to sell a whole bike my recommendation would be sell the whole thing all in one shot don't try to part it out unless you're just a masochist
1: (laughs) one thing with that though is sometimes you have a part on your bike that you've upgraded in the past that's worth a heck of a lot more than most people are going to think of for instance if you've got like a super nice wheel set on your bike like most ebay or craigslist buyers aren't going to be like oh, this has NV wheels, you know? Um, so if you have another cheaper pair of wheels lying around, you know, you could possibly throw a cheaper pair on the bike, sell the complete bike, and then sell off your NVs as well and come on ahead. So I've done that a few times myself.
0: Yeah, so a lot of the article too focused on selling on eBay, but a lot of people are using Craigslist to sell bikes as well. I know I've sold some things on Craigslist before, not bikes necessarily, but definitely dealt with a lot of those low baller type people. Is there, are there strategies for dealing with that?
2: Well, you're always going to get low ballers on Craigslist in addition to all the, the scam emails, you know, the, uh, <laughs> of course you have the Nigerian Prince uh, kind of emails or the person that wants to help you sell your item. But in general, I've had really good luck. As I mentioned in the article, if if uh, you're getting a bad vibe from somebody or if it's just a crazy lowball offer it's just best to ignore it and in the case if somebody does show up and you know you've already agreed upon a a price they show up and they try to lowball you in person I would try to work with them if there's if you do have wiggle room on your price then maybe you can cut a deal but if it's If it's a real low-ball offer, then just stick to your guns and wheel your bike home and try to sell it to somebody else.
0: Yeah, so I'm looking forward to sort of the flip side of this article, too, talking about strategies for buying. So speaking of saving cash, I wanted to talk about this $80 helmet camera from Soku. This helmet camera is an example of another one of these Chinese knockoff products. You know, we've seen it in mountain bikes in lights already where you can get $20 lights and and some of which we've actually reviewed and and they're okay lights you know they're 80% of probably what a lot of people need so we've seen this in carbon frames even in mountain bikes where the carbon frame will be almost an exact copy of a well-known carbon frame that's out there I even read this week about counterfeit Tesla cars in China so you can pretty much get a copy of anything these days and I wanted to talk a little bit about this camera. They're not claiming it to be a GoPro in any way, but it is compatible with a lot of the GoPro accessories that are out of there. I don't think that GoPro is going to go out of business because of these knockoff cameras. I mean, it's it's definitely not going to hurt GoPro. In fact, it may be a case of, you know, rising tides lift all boats. So these guys are out there and, and maybe somebody tries one of their cheap cameras and, isn't really satisfied. And so they end up going out and buying the real thing. So I think one of the effects that this will have on existing brands like GoPro is maybe in the short term, lower prices. You know, we could see GoPro lowering their prices or at least introducing more affordable cameras like the $129 entry-level Hero. Also, I think we're going to see companies like GoPro doubling down on marketing. You know, a big part of what they're doing to differentiate themselves is creating content channels and sponsoring events here in the U S things that these Chinese companies are not necessarily in a position to do. And so if anything, we're going to see a lot more marketing. So you guys saw the review and the photos and some of the sample video that I posted. What did you guys think about the quality of that camera?
2: Honestly, for $80, it's kind of hard to beat. I think the Soku camera would be good for someone that maybe is just getting into writing and they're not sure if they're going to really go in depth with the stuff that they want to film. I know a lot of, I know plenty of people that have really nice GoPros at home that just sit in a drawer Mm -hmm. and they, they used them a few times when they first got it and then realized how hard it was to edit all the footage. So now they just, they would rather not hassle with it. So if you're kind of testing the POV camera market, I think $80 is a pretty, you know, it's pretty low barrier to entry and, you know, mountain biking is a rough sport and if you crash on an eighty dollar camera, you're probably gonna be a little less bummed than you would be if you crashed on a you know, three or four hundred dollar camera.
1: Yeah, I don't have a ton to add to that. I mean that's a pretty good breakdown. The one uh you know, I was just thinking about whether or not I've used any Chinese knockoff products, and I can't think of any. I think the one downside to some of these Chinese knockoff products is that you can't get hands on with it beforehand look at it feel it and like maybe even test it out whereas GoPro is so pervasive I mean you can get it in Target Walmart you know see them on the stand get your hands on it and see the footage you know that's all over the place so you know for some people it's like80 dollars could be a good way to go for others it might feel more like a gamble they could bump up another 80 bucks and get a product that they're pretty sure is going to do a much better job
0: yeah good point. Finally, I want to talk about where we're riding this weekend. I'm going to let you start it off, Greg, since you're in Colorado.
1: Yeah, out here in Colorado. Uh, honestly, I'm not really sure what the riding is going to look like for me even over the next week here. We've had a really warm, dry fall, and it's mid-October, and we haven't had any significant snow yet. But looking at the extended forecast, we should have a system moving in sometime in the next few days when exactly it's going to hit it's already changed like three times so yeah i'm pretty sure within the next week we're gonna drop into winter in the high country if the snow holds off i might try to knock out a few more obscure continental divide trail segments a few that are head up over 12,000 feet but if the snow does hit in the high country probably go to some more mid elevation trails kind of over near fair play we shall see what the weather does
0: yeah yeah. So yeah, not a lot of urgency here in Georgia, Aaron. What What are your weekend <laughs> plans looking like?
2: Um, not really sure. I may may try to do a quick overnight trip and sh- do a shakedown with the bike bag dude, bike packing setup that I I referred to in the podcast last week. Just kind of try to figure out what gear I need to bring and how to set it all up on the bike. But if I don't do that, I'll probably just head up to North Georgia. Probably gotta. You know, one of my favorites, Ella J, and just do a day ride up there. Sweet.
0: And I am not going to be mountain biking, but I will be at a beer festival. So All right. that's almost as good. And it looks like the weather <laughs> is going to be awesome. So it should be nice sitting outside and sampling some craft brews. Well, awesome, guys. Thanks for sharing. And we'll catch everybody on the podcast next time. Bye, guys. Peace. Later.